Today on Lockdown Red Wings, a couple World Junior Championship updates, and then we're going to do player predictions for Pew Suter, Dominic Kubalik, and the ever-polarizing Philip Zadina. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer of the Daily J, a podcast of WWJ News Radio 950. Well, Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And happy Friday, Scotty. Another week down. Um, How do you feel about Alavila getting fired? Best. I literally screamed, let's effing go in my car when the news broke. I was so pumped. Um, and I'm sure you are along the same vein. Uh, yes, yeah. Certainly, so yeah. today, as always, we're going to do player predictions, but we're going to do some World Junior Championship updates as Red Wings players and prospects are playing. Not a lot to update. It's just preliminary round going on right now. And uh, But, you know, some Red Wings did some things, got some points. We're going to cover it. Uh, most un- unenthusiastic way I could have said that possible. But <laughs> United States played, I believe it was, Germany back on Tuesday and red savage got himself a goal. It was dirty. Go to the net kind of grind him goal. One of those goals where you say it doesn't, they don't ask how they ask how many, because that's the kind of goal it was. <laughs> uh, the puck got into the goaltenders pads and he just launched it home while he was falling to the ice, got a goal, but this is a perfect opportunity to plug the fact that we interviewed red savage two weeks ago. So make sure you go listen to that. Uh, Carter Mazur, man, he, it was he a good interview. Good, he was a good, he was a good listen. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a good interview, too. I met on the ice, but yeah, he was a yeah. great interview. He's a really cool guy. Carter Mazur also received a assist in that game as well. Uh, you look at Latvia versus Finland. We're going down that right now. It doesn't look like Emil Vero got any points in that game. Uh, Sweden versus Switzerland probably is the biggest one for Detroit Red Wings fans, followed by Canada. Uh, Simon Edvinson. He had 26 minutes of time on the ice, which is not surprising Crazy. because you're looking at a guy who's borderline NHL ready. Some will argue is NHL ready. So of course they're going to play him as much as possible. He registered a primary assist. Uh, Theodore Niederbach also registered a primary assist in that one. And as well, uh, got a game misconduct for hitting from behind against team Switzerland. Um, Not a great look for Niederbach, but I'm not going to look too far into it either though, because you know what happens when we, you know, you try to microanalyze when there are, Split second decisions on whether to hit the guy or Lapse not. of judgment, whatever. Move the, on. The guy turned his body away when Niederbach was coming at him to hit him, and Niederbach caught him from behind. I don't argue. I'm not arguing the penalty. It was a hit from behind, deserving of game misconduct. But I'm not going to go out here and say Niederbach is a dirty player because of it, because these things happen so fast. But Simon Edmondson again dominated 26 minutes on the ice and Crazy. had a primary assist in that one. I mean, he is going to, I almost feel like how oh, we kind of did do it. I was going to say we should do a player prediction for Simon Edmondson at some point, but I think we really did do that earlier when we were like, well, well these I mean, players we might the get to that down the road, honestly. I mean, cause he's, we can, I mean, we can, we can mix that in. We can do like him, Bergeron, Joe Valeno. We can do like uh one, you know, where we look at kind of the, the, the kids and talk about best and worst case scenarios for them too. Cause yeah, I'm, 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 
very excited about Evanson, as we all are. Yeah, absolutely. And then the final game, I mean, the Czech also played, but Jan Bednar did not get any points. Uh, the final game to talk about is Lafayette versus Canada. Sebastian Costa started that game. There's some speculation that that's the only game he's going to start um, as the other goaltender. He had a crazy save. He did. He had a crazy save. He let up two goals save. on, what, 24 shots, I believe. Yeah, yeah 24 yeah. shots against. I looked at both goals because I knew what people were going to say. Oh, he let in two goals on 24 shots against Latvia of all teams. They were, people were going to be like, oh, you know, sounding the alarm, starting to worry again. I'm staying patient with Kosa. Both okay. goals weren't soft goals. The power play goal he let up was through a screen, and the other goal was an absolute uh, top shelf wrist rocket that was also through a partial screen. So I'm not overly and he concerned. He also had a save goals. almost from the blue line. So, yeah. it's and it was still above 900 save percentage. So again, I'm not. I'm pumping the brakes yeah. on the worrying about Kosa. That's he one played game fine in the in World game. Juniors. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Donathan top top pair, Donovan Sabrango also got an assist on that one. A primary assist on Connor Bedard's goal. It was a, I won't go. I'm not going to go out here and say that it was like some phenomenal assist that he had, but it was a smart play. It was just a safe, smart play. He got the puck close to his own blue line in the neutral zone. He looked across. He saw Connor Bedard, presumptive number one overall pick in this upcoming draft, cycling across the circle. Hit him with a cross ice neutral zone pass. Connor Bedard did Connor Bedard's thing and scored a goal. It was a nice safe pass by Donovan Sabrango, furthering furthering to prove that Connor Bedard or Donovan Sabrango rather deserves to be on that top pair. Absolutely. And then with that being said, there's your analysis, guys, because it's again it's preliminary yeah. rounds. Trying trying to make too much of anything that's happening thus far. Yeah, in we'll World keep Juniors. an eye on it. We'll we'll probably do a recap like when the whole thing's over, maybe. But I mean during during the the tournament itself, we'll we'll probably just give updates like that. Yeah. Uh so anyways, let's get into our player predictions. We're already getting we close. Start with Suter. That's what I was precisely gonna say. The player I, I think that's the easiest and, and quickest of the three. So I think it makes sense to get him out of the way with already half the first segment gone. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Lead it off then, buddy. I think that best and worst case scenario for Suter are, are not too far off. I think we kind of know what we're getting with, with Pew Suter and, and I love the move to move him down to the third line. Uh, I think that that is a, a, brilliant move and I, I think it's going to help the depth a lot and I think he's going to flourish I think that he is going to be really really effective in the third line we saw last season second line center was probably a little over his in over his head a little bit with that role and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited about what it means for this team offensively and uh, and what it just means for for this team depth wise to have him down in the third line uh, playing center there. And I think when you when you talk about best and worst case scenario, I think best case scenario is we have desperately, as a team, needed offense from the bottom six Des for years now, right? Like even going all the way back to like the, the, the bottoming out season, right? Where if you – Pretty much, if if you held Larkin and Mantha scoreless, you were going to shut the Red Wings out. Like, that was literally it, right? And then last year, we, we finally got off, like, the just the top line production when we had the Guelph line down in, uh, at, at the second line. And that really helped. You know, that's why they moved Bird down. And that really helped spread out production a little bit. But 
there there has always still been a really big depth problem when it comes to to offense. So I think more so than just a a stat line or anything like that. Best case scenario, I guess in a sense for all of these dudes, but especially Suter because he's the center, is just you actually have a line in your bottom six that is consistently scoring and is putting up productive time on the ice. Like that is the the biggest thing for me. And and uh, I think worst case scenario is the opposite of that. Worst case scenario is you still have, uh, you, you know, maybe he, he does a little worse than he did last year and he does it down in the third line, right? Like that's, that's that would be tough to, to look at and and if you are then again next off season talking about who you want to filter in here to be um you know 3c going forward I, I think that it's it's pretty clear that that more so than anything we just need production from somebody outside of the top two lines in the top six yeah so i mean pew Suter definitely has some things going for him um I agree with a lot of the things you said. He produced 36 points on the second line last season, which is mm-hmm. a little low in terms of what you want out of a second line center. But he's a he's a guy who's you know defensive forward. He's a PK specialist. You know his right. goals above replacement at defense was way better than it was at forward. Um, 15 goals last season. Putting him down on the third line, I think, is that that level of production for a third line center is perfect. He's a little undersized, five foot eleven, around one hundred and eighty pounds, just kind of small for you know an NHL level center, which is another reason why to put slide him down on the third line. I think he'll do a lot better. So I think best case scenario is just what you said. If he can maintain that level of production on the third line while also maintaining, you know, maybe this hopefully the penalty kill gets better because we know it wasn't very good, but staying a solid penalty kill guy for the Detroit Red Wings. I think that's your best case scenario because you got to also realize you slide down in the lineup. You're also getting less minutes. So if you can maintain that amount of point production with a little bit less minutes, but also admittedly probably easier competition, then I think you're looking pretty good with Pew Suter. So really what I want out of him is just to maintain the production that he had on a, on the third line. Cause that's, that's really all you need out of a third liner. Worst case scenario by the end of the season, you're looking around and he's only got one more year left on his contract. And I don't really necessarily see a situation where they resign him anyways, but worst case scenario at the end of the season, you're looking around and you're saying, well, Joe Valeno and Michael Rasmussen probably need to get some minutes on that third line because Pew Cedar's not cutting it. And maybe Pew Cedar slides down to the fourth line or gets healthy, but yeah. you got, you got options to replace him at center. So, I mean, yeah, worst I, case scenario I, I is he just loses his role. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think, and, and I guess, I guess that's a little bit wider of a range than um, than I initially marketed, but um, yeah. I I do think that that there is very much a reality in which this third line actually becomes pretty productive, and, and we'll yeah. keep talking about why with uh, with the other two players for sure. Absolutely, and also fun fact before we move on: uh, Pew Suter is the only player, the third. Sorry, that's not correct. He is the third out of three players that played all eighty-two games this season. He joins Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider to play all 82. Yeah, which is crazy that the Red Wings' two biggest name rookies played all 82. But yeah, Pew Suter played all 82, one of just three players to do so. 
Uh, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to continue our player predictions here on this Friday episode. You want to do? Let's do the most polarizing guy. Is that all right with you? Do a little bit of Philip. You want to do? Uh, okay, I, I was wondering if you wanted to save him for last, or if you wanted to. The reason why I want to do him now is because now we can allocate the most amount of time to him. Sure, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, just to set the table, Philip Zadina this last season had 10 goals and 14 assists for 24 points. He played in 74 games and had a total time on the ice of 1,049 minutes. Not the level of production we were hoping from, from the sixth overall pick. And I feel like we've been saying that year after year after year. But also, to keep in mind, this was his first full 82-game season with the Red Wings. You know, we saw the flashes there with Philip Zadina, but it never felt like it was consistent, leading to, at times, him even being healthy scratched, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. So there's a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of want out of this guy. We need better, the Red Wings need better production out of this guy in particular because he is marketed as a scoring threat. I think the potential is still there, but he has got to show the capability. What is the ceiling the best case scenario and what is the worst case scenario for well, I, I think the worst is way easier so yes. <laughs> because because the, the worst is pretty straightforward right like like best everybody is going to have a different opinion on what the true ceiling for philip zadina is but worst case we can all agree on and we don't agree on on much most sports fans don't but i think the worst case scenario for him is another what single digit scoring season? I mean, like he, he's going to play eighty two, and and so well, we're we're predicting as if he's going to play eighty two, I should say, and so just with that, you would hope. What do you have? Ten and seventy four last year. Yeah, ten and seventy four. I, I mean, you would hope that that he would. <sighs> okay, so my my worst case scenario for Philip Zadina is that his goal total is around like 10 to 12 again. And at the end of this season, he takes no strides forward whatsoever. And he is still the player that he is. And more and more people jump ship from the bandwagon. And we're talking about trading him at the trade deadline. We're talking about trading him throughout the whatever second half of the season when, when the off season comes around and, He's getting healthy again, and that's unfortunately very real because I am very much uh, a you-have-to-prove-me-otherwise type of person and haven't had too much of that in 160 games of Philip Zadina. So uh, I know that just his name alone draws in a, a a ton of eyes and and a ton of ears and and uh really boosts a lot of engagements for a lot of content creators um but i i, I don't know like i 
I lean more on the lower side of Zadina at this point. I And again, I still think there is a high ceiling, and we'll talk about that. Um, and I don't think he's going to put up 10 goals in 82 games this year. Again, we're just talking about like worst-case scenario. Um, but if I had to stand on one side of the 50 or the other, I'm going to stand on, on the bottom side uh, of the 50 with Zanin. Which I think this might be the first player we've deferred more to the worst case than the best case scenario. Yeah, and uh, it I, is for me, for sure. As much as we like to, like, as much as we are strain, trying to stay optimistic about Philip Zadina and the fact that he's only 20, he's remember, he's only 22 years old. And again, I keep reiterating that. I reiterated it all last season. That was his first 82 game season, at least, yeah. you know, full season lengthwise. He didn't play all 82. And he he is not have a contract yet. He's still an RFA unsigned. He I'm pretty confident he will get signed because yeah, well we know, got wouldn't he like, be? yeah, but Arb stuff is coming up and everything. I wanna, yeah. I, well, he's not. He he can't. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying. Like that's when a lot of RFAs get signed. Yeah. Well. So it's really hard to predict. But he has not inspired a lot of confidence in Red Wings fans, and I can't. I can understand why he has inspired a lot of confidence. I mean, this is a guy you drafted at sixth overall in 2018. And, you know, he was supposed to fill the back of the net. He promised he was going to fill the back of the net. And he has not done so. His shooting percentage was 6% this last year, which is a good 6% below the league average, if I'm recalling correctly. So, do you want to know his good percentages by year? What? His nine games of, of his first stint. In, in the show, it was 5.6, but that's nine games. 19, 20, and 28 games, it was 13.3% when he that's had eight good. goals. In, right, he had eight goals in 28 games. Then in 2021, in 50 games, it was 6.2%. And then this year, it was 6.5%. Yeah, so it just seems like... His career shot percentage is 7.6%. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's hockey IQ that's been talked about a lot that he just doesn't think the game fast enough. And that's a problem. A lot of people had, maybe it's why he slipped in the draft in 2018. Cause he was supposed to be, you know, some mocks had him high as high as number two overall, but it's just, it hasn't come together for him yet. And you just deferred to his age and hope that he still pieces it together. I mean, worst case scenario, you're looking at the end of the season and it's a Dominic Kubelik situation. Dominic Kubelik did not receive a qualifying offer from the Chicago Blackhawks, and he had a better season production-wise than Philip Zadina. So you're looking at a situation where at the end of this season, it's the same thing. You decide that he's a bust. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think there's a, there's a relatively decent... I, I don't want to say this is going to happen. I don't want to make this sound like the that... The, the odds are favored for this to occur, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to really struggle in the first half of the season and then to tr- just try and offload him at the trade deadline and see if somebody else will take him for a future asset um, that, uh, you know, a team that might still believe in him. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, if, if we're, if he's limping into February with, with six goals, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Well, and that's the thing is, so he's not, defensively reliable hardly and then on top of that now he has his defense has gotten better i it will has. say that because i'm trying to be he fair. made a couple of really nice plays defensively last year his defense has gotten better and that was something two years ago jeff blash was emphasizing like the scoring will come you know we're working on his defense right now and it has gotten better but it's still not the name of his game the name of the game is his, 
his goal production, and that has not been there. But I keep deferring to, the, to his age. I just want to remain as optimistic as possible despite this nasty gut feeling that I have. Trying to look at his best-case scenario, Scotty, and I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Well, that's the thing. Like Everybody's going to argue about this till they're blue in the face. Like Everybody's got a different opinion of what his, his ceiling is. His ceiling when he was drafted was top-line, 40-goal scoring, yep. David Pasternak-type player. That oh, was yeah. the type of player that Red Wings fans wanted out of Philip Zina. I don't know. If, I don't even honestly. I'm going to be honest. I I think that that has been dampened dampened for me. I think his ceiling now is probably second line winger, maybe max twenty twenty five goal scorer. And I hope I'm wrong because I'm trying to remain optimistic because again of that that the age. But just given what we have and the sample size we have, not inspiring a lot of comp- uh, confidence. Best case scenario for Philip Zadina. I think he thrives on the third line. Maybe he finds his way in the second line because we know he has some chemistry with uh, Jacob Verana. They feed off each other. He gets in that 20-25 goal range. It's a huge step forward for him in his production. He starts gaining that confidence, and it's a snowball effect from there. But that's getting into you know bigger picture type stuff. For this season, if he can score somewhere between 20 and 25 goals, it'll be a huge, massive step forward for Philip Zina. And I think that is what you can realistically hope for as a best case scenario is that the goal scoring finally begins to come because an addendum before I finish, he also was relative to his teammates, a positive expected goals for percentage, which is very strange given how every other metric he has does not speak very highly of him. So they, there was a lot of people that pointed out like his, his neutral zone presence is like good. Like it's like it's it's good, like like good, good. Um, his his neutral zone, whether it's offensive or defensive, like in the neutral zone, he he's been effective. And and I know, you know, we, we were told this dude was going to score forty, and now we're talking. You know, four years later, we're talking about how good he is in the neutral zone. Like I understand that that's that's not exactly what you want to hear, but like there are aspects of his game that are effective and, and are solid and. It's just he's never going to be a, a top-end productive player at the NHL level if he's not going to be able to to get the goal scoring figured out. And, and so I agree with you. I think my best-case scenario for him would be in that like low-mid-20 goal total. And, and I again, I, I think if – I don't think either of our best or worst-case scenario is going to be what happens with Zadina this year. But if I had to pick one, I'm leaning toward the bottom. And um, that's – I would love nothing more than, than, like you said, to be proven wrong. I would much rather be wrong about stuff and have it benefit the Detroit Red Wings than exactly. be right, right about stuff that doesn't benefit the Detroit Red Wings. So um, I, I am obviously rooting for the kid, and, and, and I hope he figures it out, but – like you said, there, there's not a, a lot that we've seen in 160 games at the NHL level to to inject a bunch of confidence into us. Precisely. So just to wrap it up before moving on to Dominic Kubelik, again, my best case scenario is 20-25 goals, second pair of winger. Worst case scenario is all the way down to calling him, calling it a spade a spade. You know, it, he, he will not work out at the NHL level. So um, let's just move right into Dominic Kubelik then. He was a signing by Steve Eiserman this past offseason. He signed him 
to a two-year, $2.5 million per season contract from the Chicago Blackhawks, two seasons removed from a 30-goal Calder finalist season, but his production has since taken a huge step back. This past season with the Chicago Blackhawks, he put up 15 goals and 17 assists for 32 points at a 9-3-2 shooting percentage. Scotty, this was a tough, this was another tough one. It kind of is a Philip Zadina-esque situation where, I mean, at least Dominic Kubelik had one season of stellar production, mm-hmm. but a guy who has a high ceiling but hasn't necessarily been able to replicate those numbers. What are we expecting out of this winger? Yeah, I think I, I want to start with best case scenario for him because I, I think that there's, like I said, this is maybe my favorite signing of the offseason. I, I, and, and that's not a guarantee that he is he is going to be some wildly productive player or that he's going to be on the team for more than a year or two. But um, I, I think that the the possibilities that can come from him are, are endless. I mean, there, this is a guy who you can put on the power play because he's not afraid to shoot the puck. And that's awesome because we, you know, desperately need something like that offensively in general, nonetheless on the power play. Um, and I, I think best case scenario is he gets back into that mid to high 20 goal total that, I mean, what he had 30 goals as a rookie, right? So yeah, I think best case scenario is he gets back into that territory. He lights it up. He's wildly effective on the power play, right? He's playing special teams and he's playing full strength. And, um, if injuries happen ahead of him, he's one of the first guys that's looked at to move up to the second line. I, I, I think that, that's uh that, that's best case scenario and again I, I i not saying that that the ceiling will hit but i i would lean on the side that he's going to be a a pretty effective player for the wings this year i really like this move a lot yeah i mean i lean on the side that that 30 goal season was closer to an anomaly for him and that 15 that. goals is probably more what he's capable of I, I think his his best case scenario is around 20 goals. If he can be between 18 and 22 goals, sure. that'd be great. He is a shoot first winger who scores a lot on those shots he takes. But outside of that, the micro analytics show that he you know he's not very efficient at um, zone pressure at offense or defense. He's just very skilled at zone entry and just his shot percentage, you know, only at nine three two percentage. But the shots he takes tend to go in in a lot of cases. So I think it. Best case scenario for him is again around that 22, 18 to 22 goal range. Worst case scenario is he is what we think he might be. And what Steve Eisman, you know, took a flyer on is third line guy between 10 and 15 goals. He's here for two years. See ya. I mean, there's not a lot of risk involved here. So I'm not going to be too devastated if he ends up not working out. But considering the fact that he did have that 30 goal season with the Chicago Blackhawks, you see the potential there that he could light it up, but you also got to remember, you know, who he was playing with in that season, you know, Alex Debrinkit, Patrick Kane, guys like that could hugely impact the amount of goals he scores. And that kind of talent isn't on this Detroit Red Wings team as of yet is not proven at least. So we'll see where he ends up, but if he ends up between 18 and 22 goals, I'll imagine that that is a success for him. For sure, yeah, and and like you said, looking at the, the the worst case is pretty straightforward. I think it's you know like borderline doesn't finish out his contract or just stays here for depth purposes and isn't defective on the power play and doesn't stick there and probably gets healthy by the end of the season or is playing you know down in the fourth line. Uh, I I think that that's a a pretty easy worst case scenario to pinpoint. But I think the possibilities with him with are are endless, man. I I, I really do. I think that. 
this is uh, this is a a perfect depth signing because he checks a lot of boxes as we talked about when we did sign him. So um, I'm really really excited for Kubalik. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see, Scotty. Any final thoughts, man? You got anything you got to get off your chest? Um, Alavila's gone. He is. I'm so happy about it. How do you feel about light blue Gatorade? Not as good as dark blue. Cool blue is the best flavor. I'm not a big Glacier Freeze fan. You're a weirdo, but that's fine. Okay. I mean, you're not <laughs> wrong. That was my that was my how do you feel about a Friday right there? All right. Uh shoot. No, I feel like I, I feel like I am pressured to also reciprocate. No, no, that. you're good, man. I've asked you two. You can uh, ask me zero. Oh, it's fine. How do you feel about my audio quality today? Any weird pops? No, it was fantastic. It Clear? Was fantastic. Okay, cool. I've been having this weird issue. I think I discovered the issue. I told you before the show, but for the people, obviously, they all know the weird popping noises my mic's been making. That's usually a sign that a wire is either not connected all the way or going bad. I think I figured out what wire it was. And, of course, it was an Amazon Basics wire, so that should teach you a lesson to not be cheap when it comes to your own equipment. So the wire I have now is of higher quality. And so far, not only has it eliminated the popping sound, but it has eliminated the white noise issue that I have had with this mixer since the day I got it. So I'm hoping that this is this is it. That we're good. That we're good to go. And from it's just to the moon from here on out. Uh, as the kids say. As the kids would say. To the moon. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every single day. Make your second listen Lockdown NHL. Lockdown NHL. Your experts. Thank you very much. Give you your daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL, all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Scotty. Good job. Thanks. I just slammed my phone on the desk to get your attention. Guess what? Chicken butt. No. Oh. Weeball, baby!